Do that again, Jay. Good evening. <laughs> My name is Jay Rothman. I am the host of the show of Real Men Real Talk Live. If you happen to miss last week's episode, here's a clip with Josh Richer. Yeah, I mean, I, I felt the same way too. Um, in my past years back now, uh, that one's been a while, but I felt that I was, uh, you know, I had done something unforgivable. I felt there was some part of me that was flawed or unforgivable that I had hurt people in my past. And I was carrying that with me, that shame. That was my ultimate pain was, uh, you know, something in my life affecting somebody else. And when I did that, then that was unforgivable, lovable, and unacceptable to the world. And these were all very heavy emotions to carry. So, you know, look, look at a, play, a playground with kids playing. Can you just, can you pick out one kid and go, you're unforgivable? Mm -hmm. No, mm -hmm. you wouldn't Ooh. do that ever. Wow. One of the things that I realized in my life was to a certain extent of how I was looking outside of myself for validation. I really didn't realize it um, at a certain extent how at times, not all the time, but at times when certain, uh, when I, I'd be triggered by something where that would challenge my sense of self my sense of value, my sense of worth, how when it would trigger that core wound within me, how then I would look outside of myself for validation. Mm -hmm. Now, obviously it's not me, Jeff, the adult. It's that wounded little boy inside of me that's looking for mom for validation. It's going to be a hot show tonight. Viewers, <laughs> welcome back to Real Men, Real Talk Live. I want to take just a moment here to welcome my co-hosts, all four of the Fab Four, back this week, celebrating and honoring a special day of Be Earth Day for Jay Ritty, Josh Richer. <laughs> happy birthday. Welcome back from SoCal, California. How's it Thank feel to be 4711 or 47 today? You know, the years just keep getting better. So uh, I stopped counting a while ago and uh, just keep leaning into me. Beautiful. Beautiful. We also have Jeff Fasano coming in from Nashville, Tennessee. Welcome back, Jeff Fasano. Happy birthday, Josh. Good to be back. Good to looking forward to diving into what we're uh, diving yeah. into tonight. And of course, we have the man of the land from down under. He's an Aboriginal. He resides in Australia. Welcome back, Evis Love. As always, family. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And happy birthday to our brother. Thank you, guys. Grateful to be here tonight with you four. Seriously, no so place as, I'd rather be. As we get ready to jump in tonight's episode 161, the, the title, the topic of tonight's episode is Radical Self-Acceptance. And in our production meeting just a couple of 24 hours or so ago, um, we landed on this topic. Uh, Jay Ritty uh, felt inspired to, uh, to bring it forward, bring it on. And so, Josh, I want to invite you to light us up, get us hot, and get the show going on radical self-acceptance. What does it mean to you? And why was this topic one that uh, came back for you to uh, for us to revisit with uh, on episode 161? I've never had a show topic hit me in the middle of the previous show, but uh, there's a first time for everything. And so as we were doing our show last week, 
we had a viewer uh, pose a question about forgiveness. And, um, you know, we've done episodes on forgiveness, but I started to think um, during that moment, and uh, this person was questioning how to forgive themselves. And I started thinking through my own journey. And I was like, wow, you know, I've actually come a long way uh, from being uh, that unlovable, uh, uh, you know, Josh that I believed that I used to be. And um, all those years of shame and blame and pressure and expectations, unrealistic expectations, striving for perfection. I mean, if any of these are familiar to you, um, it's a tough place to be and a tough place to live every day. And forgiveness is like pff, not even on the map. Uh, mm -hmm. Forgiveness is so far out from if you are, if any of those emotions are familiar to you and or that critical pressure on yourself. And I was like, God. And so I started thinking through it. Um, and it was mm -hmm. like, what was my turning point? Because I was a voracious consumer of self-help uh, for about the decade before I actually started to create real change. And I thought some person, some book, some seminar, some something was going to make uh, flip the light switch. And I was going to finally figure myself out. And it wasn't some miracle person. It wasn't some uh, thing necessarily. It was, um, I guess it was a person. I was reading a, a, a Debbie Ford book mm. um, and she was talking about all of these rooms in this, ho this hotel that makes up us or this house, this mansion. And you have all these rooms inside and you've got your funky room and you might have your kinky room and you might have your wacky paint room and you might have your playroom. And there's all these rooms. But what happens in life is that people come over and someone might look in that room and go, that's a little weird. And so you close the door and you hide that part of yourself. And then throughout life, we get this commentary on parts of ourselves that we may take negatively or may take as external criticism. And we shame that part. We hide that part. So what happens is we have this whole big mansion for us to play within, this mansion of us and all the fun amazingness that we are, the all the colors. But we've closed and locked all the doors and we probably even forgot these rooms exist. So radical, where, where my change truly began, truly began, was starting to open and unlock these rooms and explore them again and love them. Even the parts that I didn't like and that I thought people of the world were judging me harshly on, I said, you know what? This is part of my mansion. This is part of me. I mean, we're talking the, the, the bipolar and the alcoholism. I mean, I had all of these scarlet letters uh, that look really bad in the outside world. But to get to forgiveness, you've got to love yourself first. And that does, isn't just the parts that you like. It has to be every part of yourself. Open all those rooms and walk in and go, this is me. And it might be bumpy, sticky, awkward, and weird, but this is me, and I love these parts too. And that will be your beginning to healing and true freedom, and all the pressure will go away. So, yes. That is where we start. And Jeff and I were both riffing in the in the production meeting about this specific place, this radical acceptance of self and self-love. So let's start here. I think we got ourselves a show. What do you think? Damn. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> you know, I'm, I know laugh you have thoughts, I'm laughing. Jeff. Yeah, I'm laughing because when Josh brought that up, I, I mean, as in this part of my evolutionary process, this is what I'm going deeper with. All these places, and I probably, I might have mentioned it on the show last week, of, of how I was in a part of my process, whatever part that is, 
And I was shaming and judging and not accepting where I am in my process and going mm. through another level of judgment and shame of self and realizing that, wait a second, this is where I'm at in my process right now. This is coming up. And what is coming up are certain aspects of me that I'm learning to accept about me, but also looking at what is in my life and what is is where I am in my life and looking at where I am and can I accept where I am in my life right now in my, in my evolutionary process of healing. And one of the things that, that I was doing that I, that I didn't realize I was doing was shaming where I am. I was saying, I should be past this. I should know this by now. I should have experienced this already, which is really the funny one, because um, if, if I'm experiencing this now, it's something that I haven't experienced before. Well, isn't that life in general anyway? So what I'm learning and why this topic is so important for me right now, where I am in this, in my process is just seeing where there is a deeper level, another level, not a deeper level, but another level of shame bubbling to the, to the top. And that, that is like judging and shaming where I am in my process. And what I'm learning to do is wait a second, this is where I am. I'm accepting this part. There's no shoulds. I shouldn't be light years ahead. We are, where we are exactly where we're supposed to be in our evolutionary process, in our soul plan. I'm sure that all of us here and everybody watching the show has heard that. You are exactly where you're supposed to be right now. So can we accept where we are right now in our lives? It doesn't mean we have to love where we are or even like where we are because there's probably aspects of your life and there are aspects of my life that I'm loving right now, but there are other aspects that are happening simultaneously because we're multidimensional beings. So what are those aspects that are coming up right now along with the wonderful aspects of life that I'm not accepting? Because we can all accept the real cool parts or can we? Can we accept mm -hmm. where there is joy in our life and where there is love in our life? So it's a whole mishmash of stuff that I'm learning to accept about myself right now. Beautiful. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Really important what both of you brothers are saying, man. Deep, deep. So let, let, let's learn where self-acceptance comes from anyway. You know, let's go along in the timeline. But what you guys are saying now is in this beautiful present moment, which really self-acceptance allows us to come into the now as opposed to, you know, ruminating about the past mm. or fantasizing about the future. So as we always say, when we're young, uh, you only accept yourself to the extent that those caregivers, your parents, mum, dad, uh, auntie, uncle, um, teachers who looked after you at school before those ages again of that one to seven years old you don't even have the ability yet to form this sense of self so how you truly feel about yourself is really based on what other people outside of yourself are transmitting back to you so when your parents communicated that you were acceptable and okay whether you made mistakes or whether you were doing things successfully in your life, started to form that self-acceptance, particularly if the message wasn't clear as that particular child within your life. Now, this is as we go into our adulthood, we started to pick up this sense of self and the, there was a little voice that started to form. This was this little inner critic and it started to criticize in certain tones, certain behaviors that become very judgmental based on that outside world. So when we go along that timeline and when we fall into certain events, circumstances, we tend to start rejecting ourselves. We tend to start abandoning ourselves. We actually don't accept all the parts of ourselves whether it's the good, the bad, or the ugly. That's why it's important, my brothers and sisters, when we talk about this radical self-acceptance, it's so crucial 
to separate that judgment of behaviors from the judgment of people. Let me say it again. It's crucial to separate the judgment of behaviors from the judgment of people. The person is never wrong. It's the behavior that has to be challenged. So this is accepting all parts of who we are as an adult today, but really starting to identify and really form the connections between A, one, self-awareness of some of these parts about ourselves that we are rejecting, abandoning, or refusing. Two, B, being able to then self-regulate yourself through the day with all of these negative and positive emotions that may be coming up within your life. And C, or three for me, is self-transcendence. Now, that is you being able to accept yourself internally, not based on the external world. Mm-hmm. Oh, fire, man. Ev, can you repeat that last sentence you said? I want, to, I want us all to hear it one more time. I, know, I want to invite our viewers just to close your eyes, open your heart, and let it drop down into your heart space with what Ev just said. Ev, can you, do you recall what you said? Can you say it one more time? Self-transcendence, B, or I should say C or three for me, self-transcendence is to go on the inward journey and accept yourself for those good, the bad, the ugly, so-called mistakes and successes within your life internally, not by the external world. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm. There's so many different rabbit holes to go down right now. Um, What I'm curious about is um, when we go to guilt, shame, and blame for our past behaviors and choices or actions that we've made in our life, is that ever going to serve us or is it always going to hurt or harm us? It's going to keep us stuck. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. So I mean, how do, we, how, do we well, that? how do we change our relationship with, with that programming that comes from our family, from our culture, even maybe from our faith or our religious foundation in our homes, the guilt, shame, and blame? Hmm. How do we break the chain to that so that we can begin to radically accept that we're right where we're at in our journey, the good, the bad, and the ugly? Well, you know, to- go ahead, Josh. You know what guilt, shame, and blame does give you is lack of responsibility. Mm. Ooh, say that one again. It gives you lack of? Responsibility. Yeah. For what's going on in your life. You get to blame and place blame outside of yourself. Yeah. And that's a, a whole lot easier pill to swallow than going, wait a minute, am I creating all this? Yeah. So and that's really, radical self acceptance includes yeah. accepting all the shit you don't want to see or admit that you've been doing. That yeah. includes that you have to accept it all. I so, mean, you, so part of that though, Josh, is the other A word accountability. Now, yeah. when we take that accountability, I don't think any one of us would suggest that that means we're. We're, we're, we're going to, again, go to guilt and shame and, you know, no, and, and kind of no. drop our shoulders down and walk around like, it's you know, different. like we're bad people. Accountability is owning it. Accountability is showing up and growing up. Accountability is mm. saying, yes, I did those things. <laughs> I did those things because I didn't know what I didn't know. I didn't know how affected I was by my past. I didn't know how affected I was by the things I saw, the things I witnessed, the things I did myself. But that's what the true essence of accountability, its relationship with acceptance is very critical to this healing journey. Mm-hmm. Accountability is not bringing you to guilt and shame. It's just saying, you know what? I surrender. I made missteps in my life. I didn't know how hurtful the choices I made were to myself and the people I cared most about. You got to also, the, the thing about it is where, where all of this comes from is, is our core wounds. And we, and we can't bypass the core wounds. We could say, you know, I've had enough 
and all that good stuff. And that's, that's wonderful. But you really, we really have to go into the wound and mine the wound to find out what the heck, why am I shaming and judging myself constantly? Uh, one of the things we talked about in the production meeting is like, whose voices do you hear? Because shaming, shame and judgment is, is learned. It's not inherent within us. It's learned. So who did we learn it from that created the wound or the core wound first? Whose voices do you hear when you're shaming and judging your, yourself? Is another way you can go in and go, oh, wow. You know, that's dad's voice. That's mom's voice. And we, when we identify that, yeah. Then we can go into the that the wound that was created and then join and start nurturing that that little boy and that little girl inside of us who is wounded as the adult and then begin to go into all of the feelings that are coming up surrounding that. But an important thing is too, and, and this is important, and this is what could be a uh, 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 a catch 22 is wow i'm shaming and judging myself and i'm feeling guilty about that and then you can start shaming and judging yourself for shaming and judging yourself you yeah. see how we can fall down that rabbit hole so it's really and this is and josh uh, josh mentioned debbie ford now here's what here's a debbie ford ism and she talks about shame and judgment she cut specifically about judging in the book I read. Debbie Ford said, you're going to judge. It's within you. You're going to judge. So you know what? Go ahead and judge the shit out of it. And then when you do, turn around and ask yourself, wow, I was just judging maybe myself and maybe an, another. And how many people are you judging outside of yourself that's simply a mirror for the judgment that you're that is perpetuating inside of you. So if you're gonna judge, judge. Go ahead and judge, and then stop and ask yourself, why am I judging? Jeff, uh, I love that. That's that's brilliant. I also want to let you know that you uh you triggered something within me just right now. Oh wow. It was an old memory. Mm. And it's something that. Raise your hand if you didn't hear this when you were a child. When your father gets home, you're going to be punished. Mm. Or in that moment, one of your parents, you do something that is deemed, you know, not appropriate for you as a child, and you get punished. Part of that, part of the emotional connection to the punishment brings us right into shame. Punishment mm -hmm. always brings you to shame. And the reason I bring this mm. up is, is not to go back into mm. what that felt like for me as that, that boy, little JJ. But if you are a parent, you're watching a show live or on a replay, and you are raising children right now, and they're from zero to 18 years old before they leave the nest, be very aware of the power of the words do we really want to be punishing our children or do we want to be teaching them? Do you want to be able to, with wisdom coming from within your own heart and soul, explain to your child why what they said or did was inappropriate or hurtful, but not with the intention of punishing them so that they don't do that again. Mm. It's an opportunity to learn, to teach, but even deeper than being a teacher is being a mentor because how much of the time are our young children only mirroring what they're seeing from us as their parents? Mm. We are their mirror. Mm. So when we're punishing them for poor behavior or poor words spoken, look in the mirror. How often are they just copying what we're, what we're showing them how to behave? Mm. And mm. I'm talking about if, if we're in a relationship with a husband or a wife and we're, and we're arguing and we're screaming at each other, we're punishing each other right there, right then, even in that moment. 
and a part of us that the one who screams louder, the other one's receiving it as a punishment. Close your eyes next time you're in that and ask yourself, how old am I feeling right now? And I guarantee you, you're not 35 years old or 45. You're four or five years old. Mm -hmm. It's time for us to stop punishing one another as children and as adults and start learning how to communicate with each other, how to share lessons, how to share wisdom, how to become mentors mm. so that we can cut the cords to guilt and shame and blame. It's time right here, right now. Mm-hmm. What do you make of that, Evis? Love? <laughs> Beautiful, my brother. Thanks for sharing. Um, yeah, look, the stuff around judgment, brothers and sisters, let's make it clear, right? Judgment comes from the external world, which I was talking about. So you're looking outside of yourself to make judgment of something based on the outside world. As we come into this new earth and into this fifth dimension, we've got to start thinking about discernment. What is the difference? Discern from the ancient word, Greek word, klino, to separate, is a much more personal and conscious choice of being able to make those with your behavior. So we have to release ourselves from the habit of judgment. I would never say judge yourself as much as you can to the point where you can't judge yourself anymore. <laughs> we have to release ourselves from this constant judgment, ask ourselves, who's at the frigging wheel? Who's been on autopilot? It's the only way to truly free ourselves. And then we can start accepting those things about ourselves that we may not have you know, so-called accepted or refused to look at from the past. So it brings us much more into the present moment, which I was also mentioning through discernment. We've got to really see that when we release that judgment of self or the habit of it, we actually become more happier. We can actually start focusing mm -hmm. and reframing the way that we talk about ourselves. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. When I work with clients, I'm not talking about let's work on your weaknesses. I'm talking about let's celebrate your strengths. Mm. So we need to become more accepting. And, you know, there's plenty of ways we can do this, my brothers and sisters. Mm -hmm. But learning to release that habit of judgment is number one. Mm -hmm. There you go. And, I you, know, you know, what's striking me in this moment, too, is just that um, God, Ev, you called it early, man, the behavior, right? It's the behavior that we weren't proud of in ourselves or we didn't. It's not a character flaw. Mm -mm. I'm going to say that mm -hmm. again because that's how I took it for over 20 years. I took all those behaviors I wasn't proud of, all those behaviors that I did, all of those things, people I may have hurt, I took them as a character, as proof of a character flaw. And that's not fair. Mm -mm. We all make mistakes. We all have behaviors we're not proud of mm -hmm. in our lives. Those are forgivable. A character flaw is not. And that's what we're talking about here and loving yourself completely and loving all parts. You've got to love all parts. You're not flawed. You are not broken and you are not unlovable. You are you. We've all messed up and that's okay. It's okay. Josh, I, I want to invite you to close your eyes for a moment here. And trust me, allow yourself just to take a nice, gentle, loving, soft breath in through your nose and hold it for a few moments and then slowly release it. And as you get into this loving rhythm of breath, I want to invite you to open your heart just a little bit more. And as you're opening your heart, capture an image of little Joshi when you were five or six years old and invite him to sit on your lap right here, right now. And I'm gonna, as he's sitting on your lap, is he there? Is he here? Yeah. As he's sitting on your lap, 
I want to invite yeah. you to repeat directly speaking to him the same words you just said right here, right now about hmm. not being flawed. Say it out. Say it out loud, if you may. Little Joshy. You know, not, not to break the, I'm going to tell him on my own. Okay. Um, but I will take this moment, Jay. I promise. And thank you. Um, yeah. I've got some stuff that's uh, not for entertainment. It's just okay. for me. Okay. Beautiful. Thank you for setting that loving boundary. What I'd like to take us yeah. right here right now is um, I want to ask one of you to jump in here and answer this question. What role does empathy and compassion play in, in this process of radical self-acceptance? Again, what role does empathy and compassion play? Number one. <laughs> you know, can we have compassion for where we are? Can we accept where we are with compassion for ourselves? And that's a challenge. It could be a challenge for most people, you know, it's, it's really about self-compassion, which is a whole show. How, how can we have compassion for ourselves? You know, in the clip that Josh's clip that opened the, opened the show is, a, is an incredible tool for everyone to use. It's a tool that my therapist taught me years ago about when Josh says, look in the playground at all these little children. Can you have compassion? Oh, will you know, just, it's an exercise. Close your eyes, bring in a circle of all these little children and you're one of them. Is there any way that you wouldn't have compassion for all those five-year-olds in that room? Mm -hmm. And if you can have compassion for all those five, six and seven-year-olds in that playground, can you include yourself in that? Because all of us probably can have compassion for other people for where they are. Sure. Can we have that compassion for ourselves and show us that compassion for where we are right now? It's another thing, it's accepting where we are and then have compassion for ourselves where we are loving ourselves beautiful and that has been a challenge for me in my process in my life too yeah you know, uh for those viewers uh we opened up our show tonight with a fresh brand new uh produced clip by evis love i think i'm feeling like maybe we should just play it one more time uh, enjoy <laughs> this clip viewers yeah i mean i i felt the same way too um in my past years back now uh that one's been a while but i felt that i was uh you know, I had done something unforgivable. I felt there was some part of me that was flawed or unforgivable that I had hurt people in my past. And I was carrying that with me, that shame. That was my ultimate pain was, uh, you know, something in my life affecting somebody else. And when I did that, then that was unforgivable, lovable and unacceptable to the world. And these were all very heavy emotions to carry. So, you know, look, look at a, play, a playground with kids playing. Can you just, can you pick out one kid and go, you're unforgivable? Mm -hmm. No, mm -hmm. you wouldn't Ooh. do that ever. Wow. Yeah, man. Mm -hmm. Self-compassion. Jeff, I'm curious when you watched this clip that Evis put together from last week's episode um, and you saw the swings going first with the children on it and then there was no children on it. Did mm -hmm. that affect you emotionally? What did you feel? Anything come up for you? N no. What I was listening to was Josh. And, and it brought to mind just like a circle of kids, a, a, you know, little children. Mm -hmm. in a, and how does it make you feel seeing all those little children, you know, and you're part and you're one of those little children. 
You know, mm -hmm. can you have compassion? You will. So you have to put your, ourselves, we have to put ourselves in that playground with those kids and see ourselves there as well. Because that's who we're having compassion for. We're having compassion for the wounded parts of us, accepting where we are in our process, whatever that is, whatever those wounds are. And it's the wounds of the child. It's, it's that little child. And that is who we're having compassion for and with. That's reparenting that child who, as Jay said, you know, mom and dad might have punished and ridiculed and whatever based upon their work. And that's once again where the wound begins. So we've got, it's, it's, it's really important, you know, um, to do that. That's, that's, that's the part of us that we're having compassion for. Yeah, exactly. It's, it, you know, we would never talk to a child the way we talk to ourselves inside our heads. Yeah. Um, that, yeah, that self-talk, we wouldn't even talk to adults that way, the way that I spoke to myself back yeah. years ago. I mean, mm -hmm. it's just brutal, just brutal. Yeah. Yeah. So how do we, how do we throw that out? How do we, how do we shred that old album, that old narrative, that old tape that keeps going and going? Mm -hmm. One of the, you know, one of the things, Jay, we, we can do, and, and this, is, this, is, this is really important. If we have gone through the process of really nurturing ourselves in those shadow moments and nurturing ourselves in that process and really learn how to do that, our stories are a looped tape that loops. Here it comes again. It's looped and looped. Here's the story again. Here's the story again. Here's, um, uh, oh, that's about, you know, the whole story. After a while, what's important, this is what I've learned just lately, is we really have to say, listen, I love you, little boy, but I've heard that so many times now. We, I'm here, I hear you but I, I no longer am going to pay attention to the looped story that, I, that keeps on, you know, the voices that come up, the, the same behaviors, the looped story. And it's, sometimes we just have to say enough, enough. And we could look at that child and say enough. I love you, but I'm no longer going down that street of the looped story. I'm moving through that and past it. Come with me. I'm taking you by the hand. Come with me. But we're no longer going to delve into the old story that's just looped and looped and looped. And we're hearing it again for the five millionth time. Sometimes we as the adult have eventually got to say, but preface this with, we, can, we have to get to this point in our process through a whole series of learning how to nurture ourselves first. Because when we get to that point, if we've done that, then we could say, no, I've heard that story before. Thank you for sharing once again, but you know what? We're making a new choice here. Come with me. Let's go down the new path. But that takes a lot of nurturing. So that child is trusting the new adult. What do you make of that, Ev? Mm, beautiful, brother. Yeah. You're going back into what we're talking about here. You know, many, I'm sure, empaths are in the community. But empathy is such, such a beautiful emotion. It's also a beautiful way of being. You know, um, one of the tricks of the trade that I use, particularly when it's wrapped around back what Josh was talking about with the self-talk, is just flipping the script. And just imagine, you know, you fall yourself into a little bit of uh, circumstance or event. And generally what comes up with the inner critic is that I'm such a failure. I can't do anything right. Mm -hmm. Now what if you just flip that 
the eye for the you. You're such a failure. You can't do anything right. You see, this is a beautiful test once you've swapped that eye and that you to really see if you are empathizing with yourself. Are you being self-compassionate? So what do we do? What do we do when we start to become aware, which is really the next thing or the number one thing to identify this self-talk and that inner critic? We have to start reframing or flipping the script. So this really allows us to go more into these the deities, as I call them, or these mindfulness practices, where we may have to create some of these mantras, which were talked in past shows as well. Mm. I did that in the past. That was a past. Mm -hmm. I am not choosing that today. Mm. I am beautiful. I am loved. I am worthy. Mm. I am. We come back mm. to those reframing techniques and then we start to rinse and repeat so that we download this new program and software so it becomes hardware in the brain and the wiring. Otherwise, my brothers and sisters, we keep going on this loop that Jeff's talking about and we find ourselves digging our own graves slowly. You know, so many people are going through this mental health, my brothers and sisters, and that is exactly why it's because they're caught up in the head space. But when we start to become more self-compassionate, become more empathetic with our own way, our way we talk to ourselves, even just some of those so-called mistakes or Mr. Rothman says the missteps within our life, then we actually start to look at ourselves as a more whole person. And then we can start becoming more self-acceptant of everything that we are as a human being. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I love that, and I want to jump in here, Ev, because uh, I, I think part of, you know, how do we how do we get from there to here, or from here to there? Um, a big part of it is is around becoming that conscious observer. You've heard me say this on past episodes. Becoming a conscious observer is really paying attention to the thoughts that are coming through mm -hmm. you, the words that you're speaking or considering to say. Um, and how you're and how you are speaking to yourself and in that moment when you can catch yourself and really tap into which part of me is actually going back into these self-deprecating self-sabotaging thoughts or words then we that's when we can step in as jeff said and we could start to parent that child depending on what age that child is it could be even a young adult of ourselves. But in that moment, that's when we show up and we become that what's called the mystical parent for that child or for our younger self. And we start to we start to reframe the words or the thoughts that are spoken by that younger self that's been programmed into us from our past experiences, what we what we experienced and what we also witnessed as that collateral damage. But it really does, I believe, come down to becoming a conscious observer of your own emotions, of your own feelings. In that moment, identifying which part of myself is back there again. And, and then either distract that part of yourself with a healthy word, a healthy phrase, or even better than that, get out of your head, get out of your house, go for a walk. Get on your bike if you got a bike. If you don't got a bike, go buy a bike. You know, if you don't have sneakers, go buy a pair of sneakers, go get a pair of sandals, get out into the land, get out where the air is fresher, where the sun is bright, where the stars are lit. Distract yourself the way you would distract a child. If you think about it, when you were a child and you were feeling down or you were bored, what would happen when you got excited to do something different? For me, one of the best times in my life as a child was vacation time. Why? Because most of the vacations that my family did was in the outdoors. I didn't know that. I didn't know the impact it was having on me, but it raised my own vibration as that younger self. So when I, when I get into any of those old patterns or, or thoughts, 
I do whatever I can do to get out of my head and get out of my house. Mm-hmm. And I move. I move. Meaning yeah. I'm not calling it exercise. I just mm-hmm. move my body. Mm-hmm. And I start to pay attention. I start to pay attention to the butterflies, to the dragonflies. Mm-hmm. I've seen more eagles in the last two months than I saw ever in my entire life. I'm talking bald eagles and golden eagles. Mm. I never, never witnessed one before. Now, is that because they weren't there or because I wasn't there? Mm. The things that we get to experience when we, when we open our heart, clear, clear our vision, mm. and honor the true essence of who we are. Mm. and stop living in a dense, dark BS of how you feel about yourself because that's what was programmed into you. Mm. So yeah, it it can be a beautiful journey, Mm. but we have to have the courage to show up. Mm. And that's what this show is about tonight. As Josh experienced and as Josh shared, I do believe that Josh Richard, Jay Riddy, saved his own life. Mm because he was willing to step into what he calls radical self-acceptance. And that means finally showing up and growing up Mm. and stop blaming yourself and shaming yourself. Mm. Instead, learn how to parent yourself. And even if you don't have children, let me tell you something. If you don't think you birthed a child, that may be true. But you do have a child in your life. Every single one of us adults Mm. have a child in our life. Mm. And we have the greatest opportunity not to live in, woe is me. I don't, God, am I ever going to get married? Am I ever going to have a child? (laughs) Guess Mm. what? You have a child. Start Mm. paying attention to that child and watch (laughs) your world change before your eyes. Mm. What do you think, Riddy? Great stuff, Jay. Amazing. Mm. Awesome share. Mm. And what uh, what you spurred in me was that, um, you know, that conscious observer is such an important part. Um, and I know we all know that that's, <laughs> that's the birthplace of change, right? Awareness. Mm. And... Uh, you know, I think with our, our few minutes left here, probably the last thing I'll add to this is that um, it's okay that the awareness is going to come after um, in the beginning. It's new. You're going to do the behavior again, the pattern or whatever it is again. And then it, it might even be a day or two later and you go, ah, shit, I did that thing. Man. Mm. And then you're going to you know get pissed at yourself for a second for it. But this is the important part where Ev was talking about your reframe. You might be kind to yourself in this moment and go, okay, that was that pattern. I see, I see it came up again. Um, all right. I can be kind to myself in this moment. The tape played over, but I, I got this. Um, and then the next time it happens, it might be a little bit closer to the event and then a little bit closer to the event. And then finally, eventually, you're going to be so aware of it that you're going to notice your pattern building mm. and you're going to catch it before it happens this time. Mm. And you're going to go, oh, man, I got that. Yes, mm. I got that. Um, it didn't play. I was able to stop it this time. Mm. Mm. And that's how change happens. It's mm. not overnight. It's not a light switch. It's awareness mm. and then noticing it over and over and over again and being kind to yourself in those moments and loving yourself through to before the event. And mm. now you're ahead of it. Mm. I love that. I want to take a moment here just to take a breath. Let's just allow ourselves to receive what Josh just shared. Mm. Mm. And as we're doing that, um, I want to welcome back Greg Batterby to uh, Real Men Will Talk Live. It's been some time. And any other viewers that have uh, have come back this evening, welcome back home. Uh, Greg Battersby asked, coming in from Southern California, I believe he still lives there. He says, mm-hmm. I would love to hear Evis's take on how the wilderness is critical to spiritual health. Man. Beautiful, brother. That's a, a whole episode. That's an episode, Greg. But- <laughs> hey, but, hey, but our, when we when we 
moving into our spiritual help, aren't we navigating the wilderness inside of us? Beautiful, Josh. Beautiful, Josh. And that's where I'll deep dive for a quick couple of minutes for the brother, because this comes back from my connection to country, or you might know as the wilderness, the wilderness, or nature. And um, we always taught brothers and sisters and that's why we know here in the land down under that we are the custodians of the land of mother earth herself we always knew that when we go out on country if we sat there long enough in the wilderness nature country that over time it may not happen in that present moment you may have to do it a few practices but we call it the deity you call it meditation to be sitting in that contentment, in that peace, in that calmness, in that stillness. When you actually sit long enough, however long that takes, mm. you actually start to realize it's you. You are Mother Nature, brothers and sisters. Mm -hmm. Just like Jeff said, nature is within each and all of us, but we've been disconnected. Think about this. When we die, where do you think your body goes? It goes into the dirt, into the soil. Your nutrients become part of the birth, death, recycle, and it keeps cyclical. Your water becomes nourishment and goes up into the water cycle of the air. That's why it's so important for our spiritual path on wilderness to know that when you get connected with her you are connecting with your true mother and you are connecting with your eternal self mm. and that's deep it's a mm. forever thing mm. i want to take a moment here ev uh, as we catch our breath this is a clip that uh, you shared in, in our last episode produced by None other than the Aboriginal. Be very aware of your own triggers emotionally. What you've been harvesting, your emotional well-being up until this point within to the relationship. Because if two codependent people fall into a relationship, so they lean on each other to fulfill those needs, wants, those desires, and until you become self-aware, their own lack of self-esteem. So when we're able to build up our own self-esteem, self-worth, and our own value, then if the other person comes into the relationship as an independent person also, this becomes interdependent. You are no longer looking for the other person to take care of your needs. I can take care of my own, but I enjoy caring for you. I don't take care of you. It's a good one, Ev. Yeah. <laughs> I want to take a moment here, one more, one more second here, just to acknowledge the uh, a, a moment here to honor and celebrate uh, Josh Richer. Um, you know, we <laughs> we look at holidays once a year, and uh, we take time once a year to acknowledge certain. So a moment in time. Uh, we celebrate birthdays once a year. But the truth is, is that every day is a birthday. Yeah. And I think that's a new way to live our life, isn't it, Josh? Every day we're above ground, man. It's, it's a good day. <laughs> it's a real good day. And it's an opportunity to continue this, this, this process, this path of growth, this process of the journey of coming home, to return to the true essence of who we are, not who we became. Mm. And that's part of this radical self-acceptance. Mm. Mm -hmm. What do you make of that, Fasano? Um, I, when, when Ev was talking about going into the wilderness or when, um, and to break the pattern, what popped into my head was my mother would go to the mall and shop. Mm. 
Do you know and why, Jeff? What's that? Do you know why? Well, I, well, I was using it as a joke. I was going to say, yeah, you guys go out into the wilderness. I go to the mall and shop. Um, <laughs> but the yeah. funniest, here's a little quick deep one for you. What do you think they go into the mall? My mother? I mean, I hate malls. I hate the... But you know, not being general, you do see quite a lot of women go into the mall, don't you? Yeah, I guess. If, if, if I'm ever in a mall. Tell us more, Ev. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just say, I'm yeah, tell me why. Give me some. I want to know. I'll keep it simple. But what do you do when you go into a mall? You enter the entrance. It's being, it's an entrance you become entranced mm. into whatever is offered within the more. Mm. And then when you leave the more, it's an X. You've been X'd. Exit. Mm. And it nearly literally is symbolic for the womb. Mm. Deep. Deep. So, so when, when we go to the <laughs> mall, we're re-entering the womb. With you it, know, it's a, it's a place the Apple Store and the sense of stability, <laughs> of comfort. Well, yeah, I mean that's mm -hmm. it's it's mm -hmm. we create we create habits, patterns, rituals, and behaviors for comfort. It's like it's like wow, you know, I'm feeling this, so I'm going to reach for, I'm going to go get a pint of ice cream. You know, it it's all about what is going to give us uh, comfort. One of the things that. Um, in, in my process that I learned many years ago from Robert Baker is in a session, if I moved a lot of energy or if I had wonderful aha moments, if I released old energy and had aha moments and felt raw and vulnerable and my heart was open and I was open, Robert would always say, go and do something familiar to bring you back <laughs> here, but it's healthy. <clears throat> So you could look yeah. at when we're in those moments, what is healthy for me? Back in those days, I went and, and went to the gym and, mm -hmm. and worked out and moved the energy even more. Sometimes, so that's what Ev is the same. When we get into these moments, what can we do that will bring us back to center, bring us back to a place and we could go out into the wilderness or we can go, you know, for me, pick up my camera, walk out, take some pictures, whatever is healthy for us in these moments that can bring us back to center and could break the, the behavior, break, you know, what we want to do is because we can move into the behavior, the, the old habit, the old pattern, the ritual, and we can indulge or sink into it. What we have to do is break it and then create something new. So we have to, you know, so one of the things we can do is I'm going to break this, like, as Jay was saying earlier, you know what, I'm, I got to get out. I got to break this, you know, whatever that is for you. I was just making the joke of, you know, yeah, I'm going to I'm gonna go to the mall. Love that. Love that. I want to take a moment here to uh, thank all of our viewers for joining us this evening on episode 161. Uh, before we uh, close out tonight's show, I want to uh, thank uh, Jay Ritty for bringing this subject uh, in our production meeting, Radical Self-Acceptance. That is the first step to the journey of coming home to forgiveness of self. Before we can forgive ourselves, we have to first accept all parts of ourselves, as Josh Ritter said, I'm going to close this out with uh, one last clip that was produced by uh, Evis Love, uh, the man of the land from down under. He calls Australia home. This is from last week's episode. It, it takes both partners, both individuals, having the awareness that, that it's not working anymore for themselves as well as for the relationship. And that means that we both would have to get very busy to do the deep work to really get to the root of what codependency is. Codependency is just a symptom. Like every other disease out there, emotional and physical disease, we treat them as though they are the problem, but they're not, they're just a symptom. If we, when we have the courage to kind of sift away and dig down, take that little shovel 
and just kind of start to turn the soil, go in, go in deep, nurture the soil and understand that what is at the root of codependency is a lack of love of self. I think we got us out of the shell, gentlemen. Beautiful, brother. I love you, Josh, Richard. I love you, Jeff Pisano. Evis Love, I love you too, brother. Viewers, thank you for joining us for one more episode in 2023. We'll see you next week on Real Men, Real Talk Live.